This is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. Part of HBO's Music Box series, Jason Isbell, running with our eyes closed, takes us on a journey through the singer-songwriter's musical evolution and creative process. With striking candor and honesty, Isbell lays bare his difficult childhood and his struggles with addiction and relationships, while funneling all of his pain and private battles into his music. Then the COVID-19 pandemic hits. Join us as we talk with award-winning director Sam Jones about Jason Isbell's creative process, the stress it puts on his relationship with Amanda Shires, and how COVID perhaps saved their marriage. Sam even explains to your host how motion pictures work. Stay tuned. Sam Jones, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Uh, things are good. I'm I'm here in sunny Southern California, and the sun's finally out after like a winter of of Seattle-like weather. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, spring is uh, finally sprung. Well, I'm in I'm in England, and we're having similar weather. Probably not as warm, but we sent two um, two Brits over to work on a project, and it was that week when it snowed. I think in L.A. and it was like yeah. it was not what they were hoping when they went to L.A. When you told them they were going to get to go to L.A. So, um, but yeah, we uh, yeah well. Uh, we're not here to talk about the weather, though we can if, if you want. We're here to talk about uh, Jason Isbell, Running With Our Eyes Closed. It's uh, part of the HBO Music Box series. And uh, again, welcome to Factual America. It's an honor to have you on. And uh, I usually ask guests, uh, what is the film about? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. It's about Jason Isbell. But maybe you can give us a little more of a, what is this really about, this film, and what, sure. you, what you've captured here? Yeah, well, I think this is a film about a marriage and a film about creativity and a film about accepting change and um, <laughs> and dealing with whatever life throws at you. And and the impetus of the film was to to really dig deep into Jason Isbell's creative process mm. and, and and because he's such an autobiographical writer and mm. more so than a lot of lyricists. And my curiosity was how how deep that went you know how how much into his own experience and history was he mining in his own songs and um and and then i think also with that it's helpful to understand where jason came from and yeah. some of the uh, and substance abuse that he went through and and the difficulties with his parents divorce because he writes about all those things and and the right. album that he's making dealt with a lot of those subjects and what what it ended up happening in the film is some of those things in his own marriage started to happen, and so we had this sort of interesting um, windows into his past through his songs while we were seeing his future sort of change, and and then of course the pandemic hit, and and uh, that threw another wrench into <laughs> into the story, and um, so it became a pretty complete portrait of, of not only Jason but of his wife and right. You know, their the way their their art collides with their life and how they had to deal with it. Yeah, and 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 all these things are it makes for very very interesting uh, cinema to say say the least. Uh, but uh, and I want to ask ask you some more about those things. But uh, how did this project come about? I mean, how did you become involved? This I know this is part of the HBO Music Box series. We've had. Uh, 
Penny Lane on with uh, about Kenny G, and we I think we've had a few of the others. But uh, were you? I mean, how did you get involved with this project? I had this show called Off Camera for a long time, and Jason was one of my guests on it. Okay, and it was a television show about sort of the process of of all different kind of artists, musicians, okay. actors, directors, writers, and after getting to know Jason on the show, I realized that his story is really fascinating to me and I thought it was a film. So I flew out to Nashville and met with him and, and pitched him and he immediately was just in. And so it was a self-financed deal with my partner Crawford Shippey and I, and Crawford wow. was also a partner on off camera. Right. And when the film was finished um, and we sent it over to HBO and then they partnered mm -hmm. us up with music box. So it, you know, in terms of the music box collaboration, they're just, they are great supporters of of all things music related and they love being a part of that and and I think they saw the film and they thought that it fit with their aesthetic yeah. that's how we got connected with them so and as you say he's very autobiographical very you know songs are very intimate uh, but how did you decide to you know how did you decide to approach this because um, you know it's it at least starts off with it revolves as you say it revolves around this uh, recording this uh, his reunions album was that uh, I mean it's it's almost kind of a throwback to a bit uh, in terms of I'm trying to break your heart with the Wilco doc isn't it a bit I mean it's uh, it all surrounds and it, it at least starts off with an album sure yeah I think I think for me being in the studio and watching musicians um, do what they do and revealing their process and seeing the um you know sort of how the sausage gets made creatively right as, that never gets old to me i seek those kinds of films out you know yeah. and, um and with the wilco documentary they wilco didn't have a ton of history right and what's interesting about jason is that because he started so young yeah what he he did and and got picked up by the drive-by truckers when he was you know barely out of high school um I knew there was going to be a biographical element to this film and I had never really done a deep mix of verite and mm. biography. And so for me, the challenge was, I always knew I was going to do that, but I didn't quite know how it was going to work. And the challenge in editing the film was finding these portals between past and present. And what I found is that, that both, both past and present informed each other and made you know, the, the, knowing about his past made the present more rich, and then seeing him in the present struggle gave more context to his past, and vice versa. So, um, that was that was the impetus all the time. Was how far can we get into the into the psyche and process of of an artist as talented as Jason, and sort of sort of share that with people who may have never heard of him. Yeah. You know, I mean, and how do you? I mean, he's as we said, he's he's already he's a very uh, autobiographical intimate uh, songwriter but how do you go about creating that intimacy visually because he's certainly doing that through his his music um is that something that um i mean do you draw on your uh, on your photographic work because because what struck me is that it's you know you there's it's certainly even in the in the interviews with him it's very um 
it's 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 like a talking well literally talking pictures right it's it's like uh you know it's it is fascinating new invention how did they do that you know yeah but but no but it's very you know it's very close ups you you really you know it it it's it it makes for very um a very intimate experience yeah we had to invent cinema to make this film no (laughs) and what we did is we put 24 pictures in a row oh yeah and then we we discovered no i you know it's it's um i think i think funny enough to me the way to make the best visuals is by being a really good listener and Hmm. what that means is that you have to be aware of what's going on in the room and you have to be sympathetic to it as as someone who's capturing images mm-hmm. so for instance if a song is being sort of auditioned for the first time in front of your cameras right you know part of you because because when i do verite films i i shoot them myself because that's the only way to really direct a verite film is right. you've got to be by the camera and, and there were other operators too but but I'm right in there. And what I'm trying to do beyond the technical side of trying to pick the right lens and frame and make sure it's in focus and expose yeah. right and all that is um, I'm trying to listen to what's going on and and let and put the camera in the place where it best transmits that to the audience. Mm. And so for instance, halfway through the film, there's a song called St. Peter's Autograph. And yeah. That was a song that I chose. And with Jason, it's tough because sometimes there was only one or two times they'd play it and it would be done. So you, you, you didn't mm. have the sort of, um, you didn't have the luxury of multiple takes to just sort of cover yourself from every angle. Right. Um, so, so you have to make a choice pretty quick. And on that one, I quickly realized that, you know, as close as we could put the cameras would be the right approach for this song. And, and, um, not knowing how, what it was going to cut to later, not knowing the context of the editing and how emotional that part of the film is. I just knew the song itself um, could stand some really good close-ups and and really watching all the other band members listening as well. So I think you, if you're asking yourself those questions while you're in the room um, and trying to make the camera a sympathetic um, communicator with the audience, then, then you can achieve that. And... As you said, this is about the creative process. It's about a marriage. It's about the collision of those of of those things. The struggle of pursuing art and not hurting your loved ones. Um, how close were you to capturing a divorce <laughs> unfold? I mean, it was well. Only Jason and Amanda know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I certainly, I mean, and I'm not telling tales out of school. Jason right, says it. Right. Oh, he says we got pretty close to calling the whole thing off. And and I do know that there were there were multiple nights where, you know, there was yeah. separate quarters, <laughs> and uh, and some of that is shown in the film as well. I, I think that um, what's interesting about the timing of of them running into this roadblock in their marriage is that the pandemic occurred soon after right. and sort of put them in a fishbowl, metaphorically speaking, where they had to deal with each other and they didn't have uh, schedules and separate touring schedules where they could go off and, um, and, and get back in their routines. They sort of had to address some things that had been um, sort of swept under the rug or, mm. or maybe just not really um, talked about uh, the whole time they were married and, and, um, 
and, and you know, Jason says in the film, what we realized is that we're still dealing with issues from something that was unresolved back 10 years ago or eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that to me was fascinating because it, it, it gives you this idea that both Jason and Amanda took the opportunity of the pandemic to do some very hard things within their own marriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the, and the film really turns on that because you, you just get the sense that Jason had to do a lot of growing up and, and so did Amanda. And, um, and we, you know, we get to sort of be involved in that because once the pandemic hit, mm. we, be able, we weren't able to be there for a lot of it. So we sent them cameras and I would be on zoom with them or on the phone or, or you know, and we'd be, they'd be sending uh, media back and forth. And, and, and so I think that it, it gave them, it gave them some context for, Oh, well, we, we have to deal with this stuff because of Sam's asking questions. And, and so um, it was, it was a really interesting thing and a really brave thing to, to sort of stick with the original agreement, which is, okay, we're going to be ourselves on camera, you know? And, yeah. and I think I, I credit Amanda a lot too, because she wasn't, mm. the film was not named Amanda Shires running with her eyes closed. <laughs> That's true. She, she sort of came along for the ride in terms of, she's not going to say no to someone asking you know, if her, if her if her husband wants to make a documentary, right. but that that ends up including her, and she could have set boundaries and rightfully so, you know, stepped away from it uh, mm. in a lot of ways. And she instead she went the opposite direction and really leaned into it, and, um, and it was really really a courageous thing that they both did. And um, you know, I'm grateful for it because the story is there, but I'm also grateful for it because I think that. People can see this film and they they can, um, you know, there there's some there's some lessons in here that mm. being human and making mistakes and um, all those things they're all part of it and uh, and you know when we see a lot of when we see a, things about people that seemingly have pretty good lives you know mm. artists that are successful and touring and making records and they have a pretty nice size house on a you know, farm in Nashville yeah. Um, it's easy to compare ourselves to those people just by seeing their outsides and not feeling like we measure up. And, and with this film, I think what they did and talked about um, made them very human and, and uh, probably started a few conversations between couples mm. you know, who watched this film together. So, yeah. you know, that, that, that was a that was an outcome that I didn't completely expect and I'm really happy for. I want to follow up on that, but I think we'll give our uh, audience a quick break here and just to say that we'll be right back with Sam Jones, the award-winning director and producer of Jason Isbell, Running With Our Eyes Closed. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Sam Jones, the award-winning director and producer of Jason Isbell, Running With Our Eyes Closed. Uh, we were talking about um, we were talking about Jason and Amanda and Amanda's part and her leaning into this and them taking advantage, if you will, of, of, of COVID. Um, but you've, I mean, when COVID hit, you must have, initial thought must have been, oh shit, what are we going to do? 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. absolutely. I think, but you know what's funny when you're making a documentary, if you don't have at least one of those moments, those, oh shit, what are we gonna do moments, then you're probably not making a very interesting documentary because uh, sure, if you're making some a film about someone who's been dead for a hundred years, you probably know how the story starts mm -hmm. and ends. Yeah. But, but when you're trying to make something about a living, breathing person who's still growing and changing, mm -hmm. um, you have to embrace the unexpected and you have to be able to, you know, pivot and, and make changes along the way to the expectations that you had for the film or else, um, you know, you, or else you're just trying to freeze people in, into a, a picture that is, is, you know, ultimately fake if you, if you don't, if you don't keep current with what they're going through. And I mean, I mean, it's going to seem obvious, probably like a lot of my questions, but uh, but you embraced you embraced COVID. I mean, I, I say that because there have been other projects we've had other people on who kind of like, oh, well, people don't even really realize that we were filming during COVID. But this is this became such a centerpiece of the of the story, um, and it's it's very interesting how. And I mean, I guess you could have we've it's twenty twenty three. You could have, I guess, last year gone back and tried to do some kind of post-COVID stuff, but that's, that's really, that is the, that is, that frames the, frames the story so well. Well, I, I don't want to say I embrace COVID because I, for the record, hated COVID. Well, we all hated COVID, but what I mean is you, no, but I know you, 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 mean, le you I, leaned into it, right? Well, we sort of, you know, you didn't have a choice and I, I was curious as to the storytelling opportunities of, of what was going to happen in their lives when they were staying at home for however long they had to stay at home for. And I mm -hmm. think that, especially with Jason, you know, one thing that he told me early on and um, getting to know him is how much he loves going on tour and walking around cities he's never been to. It's his happiest thing, you know, to go to yeah. Brussels and, and just right. walk for two hours. And, and so I had this sense that, boy, this is going to be hard for Jason. It's going to be really hard because as much as he, you know, is a solid family man and a great dad, um, like he says in the film, um, music is the thing that he does that makes everything else possible. So I do think that, you know, and also I think as a filmmaker, once you're in and you've spent a lot of money and, and mm -hmm. you got, you've got a lot of a film shot, you don't really have any choice. And, um, and I think that, you know, as as you're putting a film together, it starts to tell you what the, what parts of the story are fit and what 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 scenes don't. In other words, when when you start to make a film, you're trying to cover your basis because you don't know you got to follow sort of every path because you don't know which one's going to lead to something that unexpected and interesting, and so. And then as you as you go along, uh, this thing starts to take shape, and and it's also it's often very painful because as it takes shape, you realize, oh well, this great scene that I love so much, it's it's a great scene. It just doesn't belong in this movie, right? Or I'm making the wrong movie if I'm putting that scene in it. And so, you know, I think that that luckily for us, the the film told us what the story was and something I haven't talked about before, but there was a concert that Jason tried to perform sort of mid COVID 
where it was outdoors and people were masked and you know tested and they they cordoned off the crowds and sections and every pod had to have less than six people it was some insane thing and we all thought oh we should shoot this because maybe this is the triumphant ending of the film that jason figures out a way to play music during covid right right we shot all of it it was probably the most expensive section of the film and (laughs) looked at it all and realized it just wasn't our story and and it wasn't the end of the story and it wasn't wrapped up in a neat bow that COVID's over or that this is the new way of doing things. And so we ended up scrapping all of that. Um, and, but, but that's the interesting thing. Once, once you get a handle on the story you're telling, then um, things become a little more obvious. It's so with the documentary, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're poking around in an unfamiliar jungle at night and mm. eventually, you know, the sun starts to, come up and you start to see where you're going and you you see where you've trampled and you know not to go back that way and you find your way it's it but it's it's a process that you you can't you can't um you can't skip that part of it you have to go through the unknown to figure your film out yeah well at least for me i don't know i'm not that smart (laughs) smart filmmakers probably know what they want to do from the beginning they only shoot what they need but not me well i mean well I mean, my experience in talking to uh, documentarians is that uh, I think yours is more the usual. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, do you even think in terms of, is it, do you go to the other extreme? I mean, I mean some people who approach this, they do have a story arc in mind, and then it all goes, you know, out the window once you start filming. Did you, do you have something in mind, or do you just have to play it as it comes, and, and, the, and as you say, the story comes to you? Well, I think there are two distinct categories of documentaries uh, in terms of uh, beginnings. And, you know, there are the kind where you write the script first and then you go out and you 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 sort of fill fill it in basically with the story you very much want to tell. And obviously that that is more for for a whole archival life arc or say you're making a film about, you know, the um, I don't know, the invention of cat litter. You know, you could script that and then you can go out and make it because you know the story and you know where you want to go with it. But then you may find out something very interesting about Cat Litter you didn't know. So, but, but yes, when you start, there's the discovery uh, approach and the sort of control approach. And I think I'm, I've always been more of the discovery approach, but it's probably the subject matter mm. that, that leads me down that. The last film I did was about Tony Hawk and, right. I actually wasn't very good at the, I don't want to say that, but I, I actually wasn't as interested in the script part. I still wanted to, even though I knew the story, Right. I wanted to know the story in my head when I interviewed people, but I didn't want to lay out the film until I spoke to everybody. So yeah, yeah I think it's a, I think it's more of a philosophy of choice going, going in and neither one is right or wrong. Um, but but yeah, for me, I, I I think part of the joy of it is is sort of discovery, and and that's where I relate to Jason too. I mean, he loves presenting a song to his band, and then yeah. recording it right away because he doesn't want anyone to get used to it and yeah. and make a cool mistake that they would never make again. He wants to get all of that, and there's a little bit in common with with the way I like to make films that way too. I mean, is that something in, in terms of working with uh, him and? Uh and 400 unit i mean is is this is this some one of the things you discovered 
uh, did you not going, you know, it, like you say, you like to be in the studio, um, uh, the creative process, you've worked with uh, a lot of big names in the music industry, uh, but uh, what was that, is, is uh, Jason's approach unique? Is that something that you were not expecting when you went in? Well, I, he told me that's how he worked. Um, okay. But I was curious to see at what level that was true. Not that I doubted him, but, you know, there, there are people who say that, but then maybe they craft the song all day after that initial right. run. But with Jason, no, it was, it was literally the band had never heard the song. He sat down, he played it once. I mean, a couple of times I said, will you please just play it again? We have it. We like, we barely got to shoot it, but he's like, I want to record it right now. So, so he would play it once and then be like, all right, guys, let's go. You know, and immediately everyone's talking, you know, maybe I'll do the, uh, maybe I'll play the Rickenbacker bass on this, or maybe I'll mm. use mallets on the drums or, um, you know, Sadler, maybe I'll do the acoustic part. And Jason, right. you just sing. you know, they're instantly thinking like, what are we going to do? And they roll the tape and they go. So um, yeah, artists talk about doing that, but I don't know if I've ever seen an artist that is so committed to, to that and being okay with starting and finishing a song within five hours or two hours or an hour and, and letting that be on the album forever. I mean, maybe the only person like that, you know, that comes to mind is Bob Dylan. Cause he would often use studio musicians and they'd try six different versions and then he'd get bored and move on. And then, you know, you'd have these wildly different versions. And, and, you know, that to me is the, the most beautiful creative thing you can do is, is trust yourself enough as an artist to just kind of let it be without trying to control it so much. And did anything else uh, surprise you about working with Jason or maybe another way of, you know, in terms of Jason's fans, what are they going to, not giving the movie away, but what are the kind of things they're going to learn that they may not have already known? Well, one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was digging into the Drive-By Truckers history because yeah. I had listened to that band and I, I really liked that record, The Dirty South. And um, but But there was so much to learn about their history and how it sort of, um, it was sort of tinder, or kerosene and tinder for Jason's uh, right. trauma and and uh, issues to surface, and and he went out on the road with very little, um, you know, very little tools, for lack of a better term, to deal with the world he was thrown into, and it ate him up and spit him out. And in a band of complete drunks, Jason got fired for being too much of a drunk, <laughs> you know, which is hard to do when you think about the drive-by truckers and their reputation. And and um, to go back and talk to Patterson Hood of that band and have him with the benefit of 15 years of hindsight, think about some of the things he wishes he would have done different. Right. Uh, that was a really touching moment for me is that I think when he was young, he didn't realize the responsibility he sort of had by, by, bringing Jason to the band because Jason was, you know, a generation almost younger than those guys. And, yeah. and like, you know, like they said in the film, he said, I'm the one who, who put him in the van and told his mom he was going to be okay. And I think that yeah. when you're, when you're younger and you're on the road, you don't think much about responsibility and talking to Patterson and having him sort of uh, take accountability for his part in, in Jason's story 
was was to me a really touching thing. I, I think it's such a beautiful thing when you check in with someone after a period of time has passed and you you see that they've grown. You know, I'm in a band myself and um, we stopped playing for a long time just because kids and uh, families and everything got in the way. And we, we recently got back together and to see these guys that I knew so well and that they're not the same people. They've grown and they've changed and... Um, and I hope I have as well. And and right. it's a beautiful thing. And and so I think I think that you know that moment and then watching how Jason and Amanda dealt with their problems. Mm. Uh you know, I went through a divorce uh right as the movie was being filmed. Uh okay. and so obviously <laughs> a lot of that film is about the questions I was asking because it was what I was going through as well. And so um you know you're on the right track on a project when all those things sort of dovetail together and yeah. um and, and yeah so i think for me the those things those experiences were unique to this film and um very personal to me okay and and bringing it back to this this relationship that uh is at the center of this of this film um uh with i mean did you know did you know amanda was going to be such a big part of the film going in because no i didn't i mean i knew she was going to be a part of the film because i you know yeah i i have a tremendous amount of respect for amanda's songwriting and her playing and her just her the way she lives life as an artist and right. that really surfaced during the pandemic i think she really blossomed talk about taking advantage of the pandemic yeah um yeah she she started an online music variety show she began painting she wrote albums she you know she planted this amazing garden she's an incredible woman and i so i yeah i knew she was going to be a part of it because i could tell how close they were even from songs like if we were vampires and that right, right. Jason, Jason had written about his relationship in the past a lot but yeah i didn't know to this extent um that she would be that she would be tuned in and connected to what we were doing and and um and how much more it how much more by including her we learn about jason too you know yeah, yeah. i mean one th it, it, not to i mean what struck me too as well i mean this in some ways they're like a at least for me personally they're almost like a throwback i mean if you'd had a camera following you know like johnny and cash and june carter cash or whatever you know what would you've what would you've uncovered you know um not just because of the same similar genres i'm just saying it's it it did remind me of it, they're almost in some ways like throwbacks to to another time well i think you could say that too about you know spencer tracy and Catherine hepburn and, exactly and a modern version of that a couple that you know acts in films together and yeah. uh I don't know if that's John Krasinski and Emily Blunt or who it is, but right, but the right. um, but you know what it is. I think is that um, Jason chose at a very young age to live the life of a songwriter and a guitar player, and he is a historian and a scholar and a very curious guy, and he's obsessed with those things to this day. Mm -hmm. So I think he, Jason has a great knowledge of of you know couples who have been together and written music together and uh and, and so uh, to me i think that when you pick the right partner and 
you're fiercely trying to be yourself and trusting that the bond is going to stretch, but hopefully it won't break. Yeah. Um, you can become a much more fearless, much greater artist in that situation. It blows up on 90% of people because it's incredibly hard to have two right. creative people in a relationship. I mean, it's, it's the hardest thing in the world to, you know, to um, not have someone take a more passive approach or a more backseat approach. And, and Jason and Amanda are both fearless artists. And so it's, it's a difficult dynamic, but when it works, uh, yes, I get it. Why, you know, June Carter and Johnny come up because they that's the life they wanted. And the joy that comes from being in a family that plays music together is the most beautiful thing. And and I think that for Jason and Amanda both, it's worth it. It's worth working on it. Well, and did you I mean, one last thing on that. I mean, did you did you imagine that one of your a, a key scene was going to all be a, a be a debate about which preposition to use in a <laughs> in a lyric. I, I think the key scene is uh, uh, involves around a your Roomba robot vacuum myself. Yeah, but <laughs> but no, the uh, you know when you, when you start a film and it's a documentary and you're trying to introduce the audience to your characters, um, it's it's rare that a scene will lay itself out like on a platter to you like that. And yeah. I pretty quickly knew it was a great place to start because it without having to tell anybody about those lives in voiceover or interview, mm. you really understand the dynamic of every single person in that room, the whole band, the producer, Jason and his wife, through the way they are dealing in that scene. And when we leave that scene, we kind of feel like we already know these people. And um, so, uh, yeah, if I had missed that, and if our editor, mm. if, if our, I should say, by the way, that um, our editor on this film was amazing. Her name is Erin Nordstrom, and okay. she did I Am Trying to Break Your Heart with me as well. And then we didn't work right. together till now. And I called her and I said, oh, you know, this is a film that uh, it's very handmade. And I'm, I'm, you know, all in like I was on I Am Trying to Break right. Your Heart. And it's very independent to me. So I think that we should get the band back together, so to speak, and, <laughs> and do it again. And I think we both found that scene and we're like, Oh yeah, this is where it starts. You know, we we understand Amanda's role, we understand Jason's role, we get it, and and um, and boy, it it's sort of a nice thing too because you get that sort of uneasy humor because it's funny, mm. but also just a little tension there, and then yeah. and the audience can is on board with watching how, where that tension goes. You know, in in subsequent scenes. Well, well, you certainly had me hooked. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, we're actually coming to the end of our time together, uh, Sam, but, uh, um, uh, what's next for you? If you can, if you can share. Well, so I have a documentary series coming out on Max, which is the new HBO Max, but they dropped the HBO part. Oh, okay. I understand it, but I'm very excited about, I've directed a six part series on Smartless, the podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. And for people who don't know, it's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, and they have like the most popular podcast in the world. Yeah. And they took it on the road, and we took a camera crew, and it was it was sort of almost like a rock tour in the in the sense that right. they all traveled together and stayed in hotels together, but they also sort of have this brotherly or bandmate relationship to each other that is mm. combative and uh, teasing and funny and loving and 
and uh and i just it's pure verite the whole way there's not one interview there's not one piece of archival it's just a pure verite film where you get to join their gang for six episodes and i'm so excited about it and that comes out um may 23rd on max okay well yeah. i can't, can't wait to see that that's going to be really cool yeah it's a lot of fun i got to shoot it all in black and white too which is something that i love excellent excellent we look forward to to seeing that and uh look forward to having you on again if we haven't scared you off so uh sam thank you so much for uh for being on factual america we really really enjoyed having you and it's a if you haven't checked out uh jason isbell running with our eyes closed please do because it's, it's definitely well worth a watch so uh thanks again sam uh, it's great yeah. having you on Thank you, Matthew. You're a very good interviewer. And, uh, you know, except for not understanding how movies work. Exactly. You, the questions were very smart. Oh, and, that's... Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm glad, you know, I could tell you watched the film and, and you really paid attention to it. And that's the best compliment you can give a uh, filmmaker, especially in this day and age of, of fractured attention spans. Well, uh, thank well, thank you. Uh, you're too kind, but also um, thank you for introducing me. I, I thought I knew. I'm a music fan. I like country. I like alt country. I'm a big Wilco fan, but I wasn't that familiar with Jason Isbell, and uh, I don't know why, but I am now. And uh, he's got a new fan in myself because I, I think he's brilliant. Everything I was listening to on that, certainly on that reunion album, um, is amazing. Yeah, that's one of the lucky things that I, I'm able to do occasionally uh, through films is you get to introduce someone to an artist they may not have heard of. It's it's kind of like a really expensive, long way to make a mixtape for somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no one makes mixtapes anymore. I wonder why. That's another one I've... Uh... I'm gonna have to get. Well, to they're called with. playlists. They're, There's yeah. this thing called Spotify. <laughs> it's a I'll, I'll explain it to you later. Okay. Well, all right. Well, next time we yeah, next time we have you on, Sam, uh, I look forward to that. All right. Take care. Thanks again, and uh, good luck with everything. And uh, can't wait to see the uh, the uh, the uh, Max docu series that comes out next month. Thank you, Matthew. All right. Take care. I also would like to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. A big shout out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in York, England. A big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. Many of you have been with us for four incredible seasons. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. Please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.